Heavenly Father, we are very, very blessed to be in a nice warm place this morning as we uh, bow our hearts and our hands before Thee, asking Thee to join our midst and to speak with us in our need. We want to pray, Father, that we would make careful and good use of every Sabbath that we've been given. We want to pray, Father, that our hearts and minds would find a place of quiet before you this morning and that we'd be able to uh, shed ourselves of the kind of distractions that might prevent us from hearing your voice. And we want to pray, Father, in your great love and kindness to each one of us that you would speak to each one this morning. We want to pray, Father, that the message would be encouraging and provocative. We want to pray, Father, that our hearts would be really eager to be able to uh, be learners of the word and to hear what our Heavenly Father would share with us this day. We know that there are some that would like to be here and can't. We want to pray, Father, for them and their needs. We want to be particularly grateful for each and every opportunity we have to gather in thy name, as the past year has proven to each one of us that we can't take that for granted. We want to pray, Father, nevertheless, that uh, that you would work with each of us in our lives, in each of our journeys to Zion, and that we would be strengthened, Lord, not just with a sense of blessing, but with a sense of purpose as we walk out in these days which you've given us to abide in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I have to say, I really like, um, in a strange kind of way, uh, this kind of year, this time of year. Um, for me, somehow, the deep winter um, is always encouraging a time of real reflective personal thought. And uh, to be honest, I kind of look forward to it in some ways when you're not as active doing the kinds of other things that might take up your time. Maybe in some ways it, it actually stems back from my, uh, from my studying days that, you know, once, the, once the, uh, the rush of the semester was over pressing toward Christmas, then you had that time in January uh, before the new semester started where you could kind of think about other things. And that was always time to get your hands on some good books. For me, that was time to be able to spend more time with the piano, which which was just my, you know, personal time of of, uh, of finding a quiet space. And that has sort of gone on in life for me in some ways, that the deep of winter is always a very rich time for personal development and personal thought. And uh, some time ago, I had shared with you about wrapping up, perhaps in one more sermon on the, the Sermon on the Mount that we had discussed before Christmas, and this morning we're going to indirectly be doing that, but in a different kind of way, how the Spirit has led me um, to take on a topic that is somewhat related to the pandemic, and, uh, and then actually to end with some very, very good things that we hear of in the Sermon on the Mount. We're a year now into this pandemic. A year, and it's funny how um, how you know we are in the way that God has created us. Sometimes, you know, it, it it doesn't take much to knock us off our stride. 
You know, we, we can be going in a certain way in life, and then a set of things happen that, that somehow just not, knocks us off the way, the, the way we had been, and it takes time for us to get our bearings again and find a new place. And, um, you know, we've experienced a lot of changes in this past year, and I think that there's going to be more changes to come. But we might be at a point now to be able to get our bearings in this to be able to focus on some other things. Changes in life always come usually with some sense of limitation. But it's also true that changes in life can come with opportunities. And it's at this point in time that I would like to explore a little bit the opportunities that the scripture speaks about that I think can be um, enhanced actually in the pandemic in which we live. The pandemic is providing an opportunity for us to strengthen our private worship. I want to say that again. The pandemic is presenting us with an opportunity to strengthen our private worship. The pandemic is providing an opportunity for real personal faith development. And I'd like to explain why the pandemic is providing a special opportunity for that. Uh, As I mentioned, at at the end, we're going to be sort of mixing in some of the teachings from the Sermon on the Mount on this. Um, But these are flavors that will be at the end of the teaching. To get into the main theme this morning, I would like if you would focus your attention with me from some verses in the book of Ecclesiastes that might not have caught your attention in a long time, but these verses explain and get to a point, I think, that we can identify with in this pandemic. Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, the first two verses, where we read, Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God, And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore... Let thy words be few. That last phrase I really liked. I've sort of coined that in some ways for the theme of the morning. Let thy words be few. At first glance, when we look at this scripture, we, uh, we, see, we might think that it talks about how anxious we should be to actually speak in church. We might think that it's encouraging us to not be very verbal when we are in church. Um, In some ways, we can identify with that. We all, I think, make the same experience that our time together before God is meant to be reflective, and yet there's some awkwardness that's associated with that. We, especially in our faith context, are used to enjoying corporate worship in a way that does cause us to use our voices very actively, not only in singing, but 
in fellowship, even in the Bible classes that we share with each other. They're not meant to be like another sermon in the morning. They're meant to be people interacting back and forth in different ways, and some really enjoy the interaction that we have in Bible class and are anxious to participate. Um, And yet if we would live out these verses in some ways, and we are in this moment, we would find it very awkward to come to worship and we can't sing. We find that very awkward. You know, we still do sing here for right now, but I've got this... If, if I sing with a mask on, I, I will hyperventilate very, very quickly. I, I'm not getting enough air, and I just don't know what to do. It's the right thing to do to just hum, or, but singing with the mask doesn't work for me. But the point is, it's awkward for us to not be able to speak. We're sort of in a moment in time where we're called upon to hear and listen more then we're called upon to speak. And that's exactly what Ecclesiastes 5 talks about. It says this perhaps, you know, brings us to a different, slightly different place on this. It's not about how anxious we should be to speak. Rather, it's about that Sabbath is intended to be for private worship in a corporate Context. I want to emphasize that again, private worship in a corporate context. We gather with many of us together, but God always intended, as we read in these verses, one element of Sabbath is meant to be very, very personal before God, very private before God. It's the honor system. Nobody else can really see or observe what our interaction or connection is with God on a Sabbath. And one thing that Ecclesiastes 5 tells us is that no matter how joyful we might be even expressing our gladness and our thanks and our worship of God, those things actually do not really reflect the personal worship that we have before God. Personal worship might actually be more, um, or some of the characteristics of personal worship might be how anxious we are to come and hear. More than how anxious we are to come and speak. For many, of course, the social aspects that we uh, enjoy in worship is something that's precious. We can fellowship with each other. We can interact with others. And for many, when we couldn't do that, that was like a real obstacle. Something is broken. Something is missing. That the kind of interactions that we can have with each other on a Sunday are being limited now. And they find it very offensive. But if we look at Ecclesiastes 5, the real intent, in some ways, of God calling us to worship is to find places of quiet. To deliberately not use our voices, even when we could. And some special things have told uh, you know, to us there about God's place in heaven and our place on earth. It emphasizes that we also we need to create a sense of personal worship when we come together on Sabbath. And sometimes that happens by itself or it doesn't. 
being in God's house is meant to be in a place where we reflect on our personal life experience with him in the past days, in the past weeks. It's meant that we're given an opportunity one day in seven to focus on our personal faith development, to really focus on that. For some, coming to church in the course of time is more so about giving things to God. And we do that, and that's good. There's blessing in that. But for each of us, Sunday is actually meant a time where God does the giving to us, not when we are preoccupied giving something to him. It's a time where he wants us to be blessed, where one day in seven he's provided an opportunity to give things to us. And this is in the way of helping to foster our personal faith development. The scripture that we've read with each other makes something really clear. Coming together for corporate worship can sometimes cloak weaknesses in our private lives. Cloak it. We're engaged with each other in the kinds of things that we normally do when we do church, but nobody else can look into the heart. Only God is actually the one that sees what we are like before him. And, you know, for each one of us, you know, who, who really wants to? Who really wants to constantly go down actually into a dark basement someplace that we don't like very much and go down there looking for something? We don't want to do that. We'd prefer, you know, we, we prefer to avoid those corners of the basement that look like that. We don't want to have to go there. Corporate worship, in some ways, has this tendency of, unless, unless we're minded in a different way, of actually cloaking personal needs that we have before God. And the message this morning really is, I think, in the pandemic situation, how we're given an opportunity, because everything has changed, to go to a different place and to change that. God seeks moments... He's nudging us into moments and ways where we can feel very comfortable about being silent before our king. We might want to fill in that time with interacting with others, but we can't. But he's nudging us into a place of real silence before him in a way actually to draw us into a personal, a deeper, personal, closer relationship with him. A place where, as we read about in Ecclesiastes 5, you know, such moments of real, real hearing where we can connect with God through silence, where we have the blessing of realizing who he is and the great place he is and where we are here on this earth. And in that moment, we don't feel inferior before God. We don't feel, in essence, at a weakness before him. But we stand in awe in being at a place where this, our Heavenly Father, through his arm that is not short to reach us in our need, wants to speak with us in our need, wants us to hear in our life moments how he is calling and speaking to us. And if it turns out we go through gaps of time where we can't hear his voice, and we've all lived through that, 
we actually find great pleasure just sitting in silence before his name. It is a good place for us to be, and we don't feel wanting when necessarily we don't hear the expressions from him where he is leading us into a kind of green pasture where we can just be quiet before him. And if no other expressions are sensed, to just reflect upon the Father's great goodness, bringing us to this moment, to this time, through this week. It's an awesome blessing that we can lift his name together corporately. But Sabbath has essentially been made as a time where open hearts come to him to learn and to listen what he would tell us. Have you ever made the experience in life that real personal spiritual growth has come from a kind of time or an error that has been more silent for you than anything else? That, that was my personal life experience I have to share in my conversion. Um, you know, in the four or five or six months that the Spirit of God really was working in my heart, they, as, I, as I would reflect on that period of time, I was spending a lot of time by myself up in my room in Teaneck, New Jersey, and it was in those moments of not interacting with anybody else, but in those moments largely of silence. Yes, I was with the Word. Thank God I was always with my music that encouraged me upon my path of faith, but God in those moments would really speak to me when I wasn't saying anything. And they were beautiful moments and times of really deep spiritual learning that upon occasion I reflect back on and say, you know what, we each probably need to find times in life where we are going to be quiet and silence before him, and that will be the great opportunity for spiritual learning. Maybe in that regard, you know, uh, we, we probably would have felt very uncomfortable if we ever would have been invited to Quaker Sunday meetings where people get together in a place, say nothing for two hours, and then leave. That's what their Sunday meetings were. Well, there's an element in, in this that they, I think, did realize that there is value to just be quiet before God. And there's even value corporately to effectively be quiet before God, which we in some ways might live out with each other as we live through corporate prayer. When we have prayer meetings with each other, when there's only one voice that may be speaking, all others are quiet, but focused together on a kind of activity in a sort of very quiet, special place where, where we not only make our pleas and bring them before the Heavenly Father, but where we can seek quietness before him. You know what? I want to make this point. There are times that believers, I think, have got this right wrong. They've got this right wrong. They've believed or they're inclined to think that Sabbath was for corporate worship in a private context. 
saying no, Sabbath is for private worship in a corporate context. Because real worship, as we're going to read with each other now in the scriptures, real worship is something that can only be personal one-on-one. A lot of people worshiping together, as we've you know, discussed with each other, can cloak what the real needs and the feelings are of a given heart because we can't see into each of our heart. But we will remember quickly that um, <clears throat> you know, there are verses in the Scripture as an example from Psalm 51 where, uh, where David says before God, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts shalt thou make me know wisdom. God is really, really looking to each one of our hearts individually and says to you, you know, um, how anxious are you or what is our heart in terms of really learning before him and using this period of life that we have for a real opportunity for personal growth before him. We all remember the words of Jesus when he was, you know, at the well before the woman, you know, debating about where people really worship with the, um, uh, with the woman at the well. And he said in John 4, verses 23 and 24, the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm trying to persuade you this morning with the help of the spirit that this pandemic is the perfect opportunity for each one of us to pursue a path where we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we are perhaps a blessed people in some ways, that the kind of noise in life that would otherwise consume a good portion of our time, be it traveling back and forth to go here or go there where those things are absent, that we actually have unique opportunity in this time to seek a kind of quiet before God where real personal growth and development can come. We're spending less time with other people. For some, this might have been a kind of hardship in the beginning. This was painful and this was awkward. They wanted to spend time with other people and now we can't. Well, perhaps this is one of those moments where in the Father's great goodness to us, he gives us things that we actually can't understand and we're uncomfortable with, but it's because he wants to move us into a different place where what we have seen as a limitation, God has really meant as an opportunity for us in our lives. Spending time with others does have a tendency. It has a real tendency to drown out our private needs and our private weaknesses. And for some, I know, you often actually have found this in souls that, are, that are, uh, would like actually to convert and find the Lord. Living, being in a space of quiet is hugely painful for them. It's painful because they don't want to be alone with themselves. 
Maybe it's because they don't like what they see when they're with themselves, but you know what? It's so much easier to be with other people because they don't have to live with the pain, so to speak, of just being with themselves. Well, that is one truth also when I mentioned before about dealing, you know, in the previous sermon, dealing with our kind of neurosis and the sense of constant stress that we're in with each other. A true relationship with God makes those kinds of things going away, go away that times of quiet are not stressful for the soul. They are not awkward for the soul. But living in quiet communion with God is something that we are neither ashamed of, even though we are imperfect beings, but we realize this is the kind of moment where the great artist of our Father puts his hand on the canvas of our hearts that happen in those kinds of moments. The pandemic might be providing opportunity for us to foster real Christian and spiritual growth, more time for reading, more time for silence, more time for developing new spiritual activities, new um, uh, commitments toward devotionals, you know, perhaps commitments toward reading plans that we've started in the past and haven't quite worked out for us that we're trying to a start again, a new prayer plans, time of personal writing. I know that Brother Dave journals. I actually don't journal, even though my doctor has told me that I should journal. But, you know, th- th- this, is, this is one of those things of popular disobedience against your doctors doing not what they say. I, I, don't, I don't typically journal, okay? But I, I know that he... In a time in my life when I was discussing with him some of the stresses that I was dealing with, he was trying to persuade me that taking time to write and journal, he knew would bring you in. He didn't say all this. It brings you into a reflective moment. It helps you find a place in peace because people can typically only write when they are a piece of quiet in their life. And he was, in his way, uh, trying to lead me uh, to that place. And then, and, and then he had a prayer with me before my doctor's appointment was over for the particular stressful situation that I was dealing with in that point of my life. Always, always glad when, when you're dealing with medical people that, are, that, that have a faith. Special role there, brother, in the front bench over here. Special role when, when we can find medical people that are also people of faith. It was so easy for us in the past year to be knocked off our stride. And maybe for some of us, we're still off our stride. But maybe in these winter months now, that encourage some other kind of solitude. You don't really want to go out in this unless you have to. Or, you know, if you're at a place of realizing that you, you've got to, or you want to take advantage of being outside for the first time in a long time. Yes, last Yesterday, I went snowshoeing. It was very enjoyable. I want to drag myself out and do it some more. Of course, in our lives, we, we always have to be out with the horses, and it's, it's generally not nice to have to be out when it's cold and dark and windy and blustery. And da, 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 da. But there comes a time in life, too, actually, where you, you learn to... Those are also moments that one can enjoy. Silly for me to tell you this, but, you know, it's true that... <laughs> Right now, in our in our patterns of what we're doing with the horses, they're in our back pasture, and one of them has to come in at night, and one of them has to go out at night. So you've got this walk at night in peace and quiet with a headlamp on 
It probably takes a good, you know, seven or eight minutes walking from the back pasture, holding the reins and just hearing the clomp, clomp, clomp of a horse in the snow when there's absolutely nobody else to talk to, when you're just taking in this beautiful place that God has given us to live in, you know, and in spite of the fact that it's cold out, there is a kind of charm that's also associated with the quietness of this time in life. At other times in the in the in the winter time, you know, in the summertime, there's the locust going and there's all kinds of noises even in the middle of the night. Not now. Not now. It's absolute peace and quiet other than my boots crunching on the snow or that of the horse's hoofs on the snow. You know what? It's a nice place to be. And I actually, I, I feel the presence of the Father in those moments, realizing, you know, of the tremendous way that he's been faithful to us. And I would like to ask you this morning, you know, is there a time for you right now where you would put a renewed em- emphasis in personal spiritual growth? And a growth that actually you would be able to see. For a lot of us in our lives, when we grow in life, we don't notice the growth until after it happens. That's been my experience. Like, I wasn't focused on growing, but you're, you're doing something in your life, and you're at the end of in a new window of time, and you look back and realize, wow, you know, the Lord has really worked in my life in some way that there's been growth. But, you know, I didn't realize it along the way. Now we have opportunity in life, actually, where our growth can be recognized. Growth that not, that we haven't, We can't make ourselves grow. But we can simply put ourselves in a position where the Father can help us grow. And are we willing actually, and are we happy to take our time doing that? Again, just to focus in closing on the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, that want to look at true worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the kind of honesty that the Sermon on the Mount is calling us to. Well, first, um, before we actually get there, one more passage from Luke 18. These verses from Luke chapter 18 that reflect on two different people that have come to God and prayed and how God can't be fooled. God might hear the words, but God sees through to the heart. And this is, of course, what Ecclesiastes 5 was getting to. And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as one of these other men who are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift so much as eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know, I think that this is a beautiful parable that lives out what we read with each other 
in Ecclesiastes 5. Two things that Jesus teaches about giving to the needy and teaches us about prayer that are all about worshiping, really worshiping God in a private way, in spirit and in truth. From Matthew 6. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet like before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory before men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand knoweth what the right doeth. Thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which is in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. But verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. And when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye even ask. You know, the flavor of these verses that we have are calling us each to real lives of worship before God. It doesn't matter what other people think, and it doesn't matter what other people see in you and me. It's only what God sees in us that really matters in the end. And we are given, I really believe, in this opportunity, in this uh, pandemic, a unique opportunity to focus on that. What would it be like? I, I don't want to scare people, but I just want to ask the question, what it would be like if this actually would turn in a different way and we could not worship together at all? What it would be like, what it be like as if it was in, in our, our, you know, many in our past that, you know, some sort of war-torn situation presented believers from gathering together. Young men that were dragged off into prison and couldn't be as part of worship. Other situations in life that completely prevented others from having any sort of fellowship with each other in some ways. You know, we, we, we can ask ourselves, what, what is the personal stamina that we would have in life? I would say, though, that for all of us, you know what? Personal growth should not be motivated by fear, even though bad things could happen. Personal growth, God always wants to be motivated by a sense of endearment to him and, and, and by hunger a real hunger to have our lives and our experience different with him. So I want to encourage us more and more that as time goes on, we might become weary of this situation that we're in. But can we seize the moment and find the opportunity? Remember what Joseph said. What others have meant for evil, God means for good. 